Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to the Survival Skills Podcast, and my name is Greg Jabez. And today we have uh, two incredible guests uh, discussing two important topics, and that is finance and artificial intelligence and blockchain and solving problems. We have Will Lee from C-Labs and Brian Revy from Appen. So for those of you who don't know, C-Labs is the company behind the project Celo. Celo is an open platform that makes financial tools accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. Uh, this is something similar to what Facebook was trying to do with their project Libra, but they didn't succeed. And these guys seem to be on the right track and they're making things happen. They are actually backed by some of the best VCs out there, Andreessen Horowitz being one of them, Polychain Capital, and they're also backed by Jack Dorsey. And as a side note, they have Navar Ravikant as their advisor. And I know some of you guys, uh, the listeners, you're a big fan. So the reason I'm very excited about this episode is opportunity, right? If you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you'll be able to find something that appeals to you, uh, that you can do something about it, right? There is a, a subject of microwork. Uh, and there is uh, the entire ecosystem of Celo, which you can actually, if you, if you listen to it and you go through it uh, and you do your own research about them, you'll find that there is so much opportunity uh, on, in terms of what you can do within the ecosystem if you're an entrepreneur, right? You can, find, you can find a way to work with them and build something that's meaningful to people. But if you're an investor as well, uh, these guys are running a, an auction right now for Celo Gold. So you can actually get on the auction because it's going on right now. And uh, for those of you who are uh, interested in work, uh, like I said, uh, Brian talks about micro work, which is something that they have been doing and they did a pilot even in Kenya and it was very successful. So, I mean, I hope when you listen to this, you'll find something that appeals to you and you can do something about it, especially in these difficult times. I think being more energetic and pro proactive is something that we need to do the most. So otherwise, I don't want to waste too much of your time. You guys enjoy my conversation with Brian and Will. So to begin, uh, sh should we start with introduction? Uh, let's start with Brian. I'm Brian Reedy. Director of Crowd Care at Appen. Um, and I think it'd be helpful if I give a little context for what Appen does as a business. Um, so at the highest level, um, Appen is essentially providing the human side to AI in order to make AI work in the real world. Uh, essentially, um, for any AI system to be effective, it needs to have humans in the loop. Um, you can imagine uh, in order to accurately, effectively deploy AI, you need to have trained uh, that AI using humans. You right. also need humans to monitor uh, that those AI systems are acting effectively. Um, and so that's where uh, Appen really comes in, is we actually leverage a large uh, global uh, community, online community, all collectively, you know, their input, to label data, whether it be text, image, video, audio, uh, are effectively training the artificial intelligence systems of the future. So uh, my name is Will. I work at C-Labs, which is the team that's initially helping to build and shape Celo. 
Um, and Stello is an open permissionless platform that basically with the goal of creating financial tools um, that are accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. And so the people who are helping to build this system uh, are all united in this mission of creating a new financial system that creates conditions of prosperity for all. Um, and it's really driven by this thesis around, uh, you know, we all know that there are a lot of benefits to cryptocurrency and blockchain, um, but one of the main frictions to broader adoption has been around usability, right? And for instance, right now, if my mom or my dad wanted to buy Bitcoin, it could be a pretty complicated and cumbersome process to buy it and then use it. Um, and so we've really taken an approach focused around usability. Um, we've introduced a lot of design decisions focused around making um, Cello much more accessible, uh, which include making it mobile first. Um, and we also have other things like a stable coin, um, which means that it's a lot more, uh, less, lot less volatile than say a Bitcoin uh, would be. Um, and then other design decisions like an ultra light client, which makes syncing a lot faster, especially in low connectivity settings. We have this really cool phone number mapping tool, which makes sending value as easy as sending a text message. Um, all around the idea that we want to make this as seamless and easy as possible for uh, the average user. I mean, I think let's focus on the product first, right? Yeah. So you're trying to, to, to solve, to make, say, the narrative in crypto has been, you know, bank the unbanked, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's so many projects working on that, uh, including Facebook was coming up with their own uh, cryptocurrency to try to resolve that problem. But why, why does Celo make sense to you that uh, it's, it is the right product and you're actually solving the actual problem that's there because all, most of these other blockchain companies that have been trying, but they've been quite unsuccessful? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, first off, I think the fact that Facebook is interested in this space um, is very validating because it shows that there is opportunity and there is need out there. Um, that said, I think, you know, Facebook historically hasn't had the best reputation when it comes to privacy. Um, and I will say that there are some pretty important differences between um, what Cello is doing and what Libra is doing. Um, I think that uh, some of the main differences are we've taken a really strong emphasis on designing for everyone and being much more user friendly. And so uh, even in the past year, we've gone to 10 different countries, launched pilots, done a lot of user research um, to try to make sure that this is a global solution that is relevant for our end users and not something that's kind of baked in Silicon Valley and then pushed out to the world. Um, and again, a lot of the, the insights that we got from our research has really informed some of the design choices that we've made. Um, for instance, uh, we had this assumption before when we were starting that, you know, uh, data was fairly affordable in a lot of these markets. Um, but based on our research, we realized that, you know, people were really kind of data stingy. Um, and we needed to make sure that if this were going to be more widely adopted, we needed to make it much more light. And so that informed our ultralight sync, um, which I think has become a defining feature uh, of our protocol and then rooted in an end user need. Um, so again, there are a lot of different examples about that, but I do think that what makes us a little bit unique is the fact that we have a really tight loop between making sure that uh, we listen to a lot of our end users and then have informed the protocol and design decisions that we've made on the backside. All right. So another thing is that when uh, these kind of issues are brought on, you know, things like privacy I mentioned, which are very, very important, 
but at the same yeah. time in the markets that you're trying to operate in, you know, where people are more like living on a survival basis, uh, that they're not, they don't, they don't care as much about privacy. Uh, but you know, this is something that will come at a later stage as valuable to them once they start to use this platform and understand the implications of, uh, the privacy. Uh, have you thought of taking advantage of that? That you know, maybe privacy isn't that much of a big, big, bigger problem. The the issue here that I would see would be most people do not have smartphones, for example, right? In a lot of those areas that you're trying to target. So, how are you resolving those primary problems that are di directly linked to the economy? Like obviously, smartphone penetration is uh, rapidly growing. So there's a five and a half billion people out there with smartphones, and that number is increasing by double digits every year. And so we're making a bet on the long-term future of smartphone adoption. Um, and we've really tried to optimize for uh, um, creating uh, an experience that can be done on even really basic Android devices. Um, like we bought this very cheap phone when we landed in Liberia, it's like $20 and we're able to get the, the smartphone working with the application working on that smartphone. Um, yeah, so I do think that like uh, uh, we're, we are making a bet about the proliferation of smartphones because even five, three or five years ago, uh, they weren't as widely accessible. Uh, but now technology is making them a lot cheaper and, and more affordable for people around the world. You guys are backed by some of the largest VCs. Uh -huh. um, how does that happen? Because that's not primarily how the cryptocurrency companies work at the moment, <laughs> right? They, they create a coin and they try to pump the price as much as they can and then they survive through that. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's really validating that we have some very big names, very reputable names that are backing Celo and Celo's mission. Um, and I think what draws them to Celo are the same things that draw myself and a lot of the other contributors who are working on the platform, um, which is this mission about trying to create financial tools that are accessible to everyone. Um, I think we have a really strong team. I think we have a really solid uh, tech stack and identified some really cool opportunities around the world. And I think the combination of that is very attractive for investors like Andreessen Horowitz, Polygen Capital and others. How will this alliance work? I mean, we have seen the backlash that Facebook has faced uh, mm -hmm. for trying to do this. How is this going to work this time around for you, for Seller? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think part of it is interesting because it's, uh, I think a little bit difficult to decouple how much of that backlash was like against the idea of a stable coin and an alliance and how much of it was Facebook specific. Um, again, Facebook doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to privacy. And so I imagine some of that would just like very uh, anti-Facebook backlash. Um, but there are differences with the alliance, right? So um, in, in terms of structure and, and, and governance, so um, Celo is a lot more decentralized and open so governance is actually not controlled by the alliance uh, primarily, but pride, solo gold holders. Um, basically, the members of the alliance are committing to a mission around using technology, blockchain technology, to promote financial inclusion around the world. And each alliance member is doing that in its own unique way. So we have people and organizations in the alliance that are focused on providing on and off ramps, some that are providing wallets, obviously Appen is here, um, and exploring ways to use Celo as a payment solution for micro work. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a different structure than the Libra Association. Um, and, and so you're expecting, uh, the goal is to get Celo used as a currency. Celo yeah, gold. that is still. Uh, Celo dollar, Celo gold. Um, 
actually might be helpful if I provide a bit of context on the differences. Right. Yeah, so Celo dollars is the stable coin um, and Celo gold is a native network asset, right? And so Celo dollars is tied to the value of the US dollar, um, but the protocol does allow for you to uh, create other stable coins pegged to other fiat currencies or baskets of currencies or anything that you can kind of measure anything from like a, a, a index to a, a barrel of oil, um, et cetera. Uh, and all this is kind of backed by Celo Gold. Uh, Celo Gold is the native asset that uh, you would use to really participate in the Celo ecosystem. So doing things like uh, voting and governance proposals or being a validator, you would need Celo Gold to do. So just for clarity for the people listening, uh, if for, for those who are familiar, yes. say, with Ethereum, we would say Celo Gold is like Ether and Celo Dollar is like um, a Tether or yeah, another... Yeah, pretty. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. They're very, like Celo Dollar is a stable asset and Celo Gold is like uh, an asset whose value can go up or down. Um, right. The difference, though, is I think the, the Celo the way that it's stabilized. So like Tether is stabilized by uh, fiat. So if there's like a bank account that in theory has one US dollar for one USDT that exists right. um, and Celo's stability mechanism is a bit different. It's uh, backed by crypto assets and by an algorithm that'll match supply and demand. So is, is it the same uh, with the American DAO? Is that fair to compare it to that? To the DAO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's closer to DAI. It's closer to DAI. Um, right, right, there's still right. some differences. Uh, and we have a stability analysis on our website if you want to kind of know the nitty gritty, but yeah. Right. So uh, Brian, there is, the, I mean, the concept of micro work has been around, I don't think it has been working successfully as much because it, there's always a way that they get diluted in a, at a certain point in time and then people lose interest, right? Uh, we have seen this with surveys. We have seen this with uh, earn.com, for example. How is what you're doing now uh, to, to actually to, to get people to work on AI models, contribute to the building of AI in general, how do you look at, at sustaining that uh, as an ongoing thing and where you know, it doesn't get diluted by some kind of a compromises to the system or people taking, taking advantage in a certain way? And are you mean diluted as in people perhaps lose interest or... I mean, people find loops around it, and then you, you probably that people can write bots to actually just do certain tasks, and, and then you know the pro the platforms actually become less fun for real users. Uh, yes. Yeah. So there is um, a lot you know we do for uh, just monitoring activity on our on our platform to make sure that um, that uh, you know we're getting high quality. Right. You know, data and back. So trying, we have all sorts of ways to try to uh, detect bots that might be uh, on the system to get them out as quickly as possible. Um, as well as on, on our platform, um, our customers are able to leverage a variety of, of tools in order to, to make sure that they're getting high quality data. Um, one, of, one of those is um, inserting like a, a ground truth, a kind of a hidden ground truth where it's, pre-labeled data by the by our, our customer where you know they're validating the user's input to make sure it matches the expected result. And, and another question to that is 
So, I mean, you saying that this is micro work for people, right? It's providing mm-hmm. employment to a certain group of people. And for someone would ask, so how long can, I, can one actually work with the platform and earn, right? Is this like you, you get to, I mean, you, you, you work for two days and that's it. For how long can you put in the work and actually earn from this? How, how far can it take you as a user? Well, I mean, so it's, you know, the, the amount of work is always gated by the opportunities um, provided by our, our customers, but right. um, there's always work available on the platform. And, you know, some customers have geog- you know, geographic requirements, meaning they need to have people in a certain locale input the data because it's very location specific and they want to make right. sure they get that context. And so it can mean that in certain areas, there's more or less work. Um, but we have people on who've been on our platform for for years who use it as their primary source of income, um, and even in the, the pilot we um, we did with C uh, Labs, we saw people yeah you know, the, the average amount of time in the week that people spent on the platform was I think seventeen hours, and then some people went north of that. A great anecdote of a a guy who's been on our platform for years. He um, had a dream of going to med school and he used his earnings on our platform to help pay for his education. And we've tracked him for those years. Like he's gone from that dream of going to med school to going to med school. And now he's kind of in his residency. Um, and, and in talking to him, he's always found the, um, the, the tasks on our platform, the micro work tasks on our platform that are clearly in the healthcare industry. And he's like naturally gravitated towards that because he could see, oh, by me, you know, labeling this data, I'm actually helping to improve the healthcare industry that I'm about to go Mm -hmm. uh, get involved in. So, um, yeah, we saw a lot of that in the pilot as well. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, it was like a lot of, uh, so for instance, we had some tasks on there that are around clothing categorization. So what is a blazer? What is like an Oxford shoe? That sort of thing. Um, and a lot of the people were a really interested in like learning about different types of clothing. Uh, and then some folks had a specific interest in fashion and that were really excited to kind of perform the tasks. So I do think that um, there's like obviously the primary motivator for some of this micro work is the earnings piece. But I do think that there are really interesting angles around like, you know, people wanting to to uh, use idle time for, for something that's part of a greater yes. purpose, right? right. Um, and also like using this as a way to learn or get experience as well, which are yeah, nice side effects. You have actually already answered one of my questions. I wanted to say, oh, so what, what is the skill or educational requirement for someone to, to take part? Like you say, you know, different skill sets, I suppose different levels of education are all important to have like a more diverse my diverse set of data. So the next question is, how are you solving the identity problem? I'm from Africa, uh, originally mm-hmm. from Malawi, so I know how um, the identity mm. problem is, right? A lot of people are unidentified, things like proof of address are not really always right. relevant to a lot of places. How are you going around that? Because this is a financial product. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I think identity is... Uh, a really big and hairy problem. Um, right. And the best we could hope is to kind of make some incremental progress to help folks, to give folks the tools to solve that. Um, one of the things that we are working on that I think is really unique and interesting is the idea around phone number mapping. And so what it means is basically 
um, it allows you to use your phone number uh, as a proxy for your uh, public address, right? And so it does two things. One, it makes it a lot more usable. Like uh, um, I know my phone number. Most people know their phone. I don't know anyone that memorizes their public key. Um, and so this kind of creates a much more tangible real world uh, solution, but it also makes it a lot more usable, right? I could send a text message. So I could send a, a cello to uh, someone's phone number and that'll sit in escrow until they verify. Um, and that's just like a much better user experience of having to like ask them for their public key, have them send it to me, have me type it in, make sure that's right and send it their way. Um, and then it allows you to do things like start using phone number as the primary identifier for uh, for someone's real identity. All right. So yeah, this is fantastic, and I, I know a lot of people listening right now. They can imagine opportunities okay. already, right? They're entrepreneurs listening. They're like, okay. Yeah. If I'm in this, I'm in Uganda. I'm in South Africa. This is incredible. What can I do about it? Maybe he's a developer, and you have people right now want to participate in the micro tasks. Like, hey, how do I get involved and earn and also contribute to the building of you know a better version of AI? What can they do? Hey, I know you're enjoying the conversation, but before we go ahead, we just need to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Celo is an open platform that makes financial tools accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. Celo Gold is a utility and governance asset required to participate on the Celo platform. A new mobile-first blockchain with over 80 current backers that include Andreessen Horowitz, Polychain Capital, and Jack Dorsey. There is a limited auction of Celo Gold in May, pre-mainnet launch, and referral bonuses are available. This may be a great opportunity if you are interested in the technology, use cases, and participating in the Celo community. Note that this is for non-US persons only and other restrictions apply. To learn more, go to celo.org and auction is available at coinlist.co forward slash celo, C-E-L-O. Let's continue with the interview. Well, on the microtask front, um, it, we've got a website. People can you know, sign up and, and, and start, start working. We have various tiers of, of work, some that requires a higher level of validation, and then some that you know, sign up, uh, give us your email, and verify, and you're off and, you're off and running. And we're at, at C-Labs, um, the team that's working on Cello, we're really excited about uh, working with Appin and microwork in general as a really cool use case. Um, but that is one of many different applications for the cello technology. And so um, to your listeners that are potential entrepreneurs or have like, uh, like light bulbs flashing in their heads, I would encourage them to check out the cello website for other opportunities. So it's CELO.org. Um, there are different resources that are available, mentorship camps um, that you can all partake in in order to kind of, uh, kind of nurture and develop your ideas and help move that forward. Right. So you, you, I know there, there is an mentioned involvement here, right, for, uh, for Cello. Um, so if you're in Kenya right now, you want to become a merchant, what is the process to allow yeah. users to convert their, uh, you know, the Cello dollars into uh, fiat currency? Yeah, yeah. The, so it depends a little bit on uh, the organization on the other side, but we have a couple of processes. We have like a, um, an SDK that'll make it a lot easier for you to accept Cello dollars. Um, but I think the easiest way is just to reach out to us. We're very responsive. So if you go to our website, there's a contact us. Um, there's also an email partners at uh, partnership at cello.org, I believe. Right. 
Um, so either of those avenues, uh, feel free to reach out to us and we'll get in touch about next steps.